Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Another Starter Story podcast. My name is Carmen, your host for today. Um, and today we have a very exciting guest. We have Ashita Kabra, who is the founder of Birotation, which is the UK's first fashion rental app. Um, and so her, in, her story is quite, quite similar to mine in that she started out um, in finance. Um, she used to work in investment, uh, spanning both Singapore and London. So she's originally from Singapore and now is in London, which is the reverse of me. <laughs> and um, yeah, she, I think it was when she was on a honeymoon in India when she came face to face with textile waste. Um, and this actually inspired her to leave the corporate world and create Birotation, which is a fashion rental app for luxury goods um, that has like many amazing features, including Vogue, Vanity Fair, and Harper's Bazaar. Um, and so, with a you know strong understanding of both the practical and sustainable side of fashion, Birotation um, promotes a very inclusive community for both fashion lovers um, and those who are looking to reduce their carbon footprint. Um, and so we um, caught up with her to find out where we all started and, and how she's doing um, during COVID. So, hey, Ashita, how are you doing? Um, I'm good. You know, it, it's all kind of kicking off, you know, with lockdown easing. So, yeah, it's been busy but exciting. Yeah, I can imagine. I think things, things have finally... Um, kind of opened up for you guys but uh, yeah I remember you saying you pretty much went full-time with this like very not long ago and since then you've kind of just been on like pressing the gas pedal and um the company has kind of grown massively over the past uh six months or so do you want to just tell us about your journey um from, from the moment you you quit and you the last day of the, the last day where you spent can you remember the last day you spent in the office in your own old job and how it's been since then up until now <laughs> Yeah, um, so my last day in the office, I think it was the first week of October on the Friday. Um, and it was the same day that um, we had our business of fashion feature come out, uh, which announced the launch of the Birotation app. So it was very exciting on the Birotation front. But in terms of leaving my career and, you know, investments um, for over six and a half years, I, you know, I still kind of felt like it was a very bittersweet moment. Um, I'm still kind of hesitant. Um, you know, you know, my, my team was kind of like, well, you know, you can leave early. You don't have to stay the whole day. Um, but I remember my team actually got, uh, got me like a unicorn cake, um, which they made me cut. And they said, um, here's to hoping that your startup is going to become the next big the thing. unicorn, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Exactly. So it was very cute. Um, yeah. And, you know, they were all very happy for me. And my dog, um, who's like this one and a half year old Cavapoo, um, he came to see me as well. And, and I remember the building receptionist made him one of those tags. Um, and it said, <laughs> the saffron. it was adorable. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. No, that's really, yeah. um, I think most people kind of, you know, most people I know who are working on side hustles tend to not really want to tell their current employer, you know, unless they actually start leaving. But even then it's often like a bitter taste left in their mouths you know so it's it's really sweet to hear that they made you a cake they were super supportive because yeah I think that's like that culture doesn't really exist at the moment yeah I think I think what they definitely felt better about was that I wasn't leaving them for a competitor um because you yeah. know how it can be um and you know it was something completely different I mean I was working in distressed you know corporate bonds which is very <laughs> different kind of life through uh, yeah. <laughs> fashion tech um 
so yeah, so they're happy for me. You know, I still keep in touch with them, which is great. Um, but I guess in terms of, you know, how it's been since October 2019, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, in terms of, you know, being being a first-time founder, I have to say a lot of it, you know, revol- you know, a lot of the job kind of entails doing everything and anything, um, you know, whether it's packaging, you know, delivering things yourself, um, yeah. you know, waking up early to kind of uh, meet up and do collections from stylists, um, everything, you know, all the, you know, all that gritty work all the way to sort of, you know, the strategy decisions around, around sort of financing, budgeting, funding, um, you know, what the app's going to look like, um, what kind of strategic partnerships we want to have with, um, with personalities and brands. So it's like a wide range of things. I, I kind of feel like I'm a jack of all trades at the moment. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's going to, yeah, I think it's going to be like that for at least the first two or three years. Um, you know, we're still a very small startup, um, even though we've kind of blown up in the UK. Yeah, I mean, I think for any entrepreneur, especially in the early stages, you are pretty much, you know, that person who wears many hats and you have to be a jack of all trades. So it's definitely not uncommon. Um, And I think you just listed out some really like good, clear kind of examples of what, you know, typical startup would entail. And a lot of people do forget about the funding, the budgeting and finance side of things, but it's so important. But I'm assuming you're probably, you know, really good with that, you know, having come from a finance background. I think, I mean, I, I like to think so, but I have to say it's still a very different ball game altogether, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you definitely know this. It, it's not the same thing when you're kind of looking at, you know, listed companies and looking at the market as opposed to, you know, small startups, which are obviously private companies. And, you know, you're thinking about things such as funding and then you're suddenly mm. thinking about venture capitalism, which is completely different to how, you know, um, market instruments uh, instruments work so so yeah I would say it's a very very it's it is I mean it definitely helps that I've got that sort of you know financial acumen and um, investment ac- investments acumen but I, I would still say it's different and I have so much to learn yeah no that's interesting because I guess you come from an investment background and even for me like my you know way back when I uh, qualified as an accountant I was working for a professional services firm so like kind of like your Deloitte KPMG but I started out an audit which is you know not, not the same as investment but it is very very corporate also you're dealing with like you know it depends on your clients most of mine were very much listed so yeah. I felt like I actually it was only when I made the transition to work for uh, an agency so like in industry and was looking at their individual P&L and looking at that on a consistent basis was I then able to really understand how you know, commercials, finance work within a business um, Mm -hmm. kind of context and very much being forward looking. So I do agree. I think it depends what you're doing in terms of finance. But um, yeah, Uh, in terms of like you, I guess the question I want to ask is, you know, you come from a finance investment background and then you kind of, um, you know, launched into launched your app, which is very much um, got these two worlds of fashion and sustainability combined together, like, totally different, you know. So what was the first initial seed for you to be like, I want to do this, you know, um, because like you mentioned before, there's so many different tasks and things to, to be done once you, um, even to launch an app, there's a technological aspect of that. Um, so what was your kind of initial seed for you to be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this? <laughs> Yeah, um, I remember I was actually planning my honeymoon 
to my motherland, which is Rajasthan in India. And, you know, while I was kind of, you know, I had the itinerary planned on the spreadsheet, as you do. And I was <laughs> yeah. thinking, yeah. Um, and I was thinking about all the sort of um, places we were going to go visit, you know, eat, stay, you know, drink, um, all the monuments and all of that. Um, and then I started thinking also about all the clothes that I wanted to wear. Um, you know, I've always loved fashion. And um, that's when I start thinking about fashion rental. And um, I've got a sister uh, who lives in New York and she used to be an unlimited subscriber of Rent the Runway. So I was- Oh my gosh, you know, yes. Yeah, exactly. You, that, you know, Rent the, Rent the Runway was one of the first like business podcast episodes I'd ever listened to way back with, I don't know if you've heard the one with um, How I Built This. Yeah, I heard that one, was, yeah. yeah. It was one of the, one of the first like, inspiring podcast that, that made me think I want to start a business so it's kind of funny how here we are today but yeah yeah um, and and you know I was kind of asking her about her experience and um, I had actually traveled last year twice to New York for work and uh, also to see my sister and ended mm -hmm. up trialing trialing rent the runway through her um, her, her membership and you know uh, and I started sort of surveying the market um, for fashion rental um, in the UK and globally. And I noticed that there wasn't sort of any kind of uh, incumbent sort of established player in the UK. Mm. So that's when the seed was kind of planted. Um, and, you know, I had this extra, you know, sheet open in the workbook that was for market research or fashion rental. Yeah. But, um, but when I was actually on my honeymoon, um, you know, when I went back to my hometown, which is like the suburban town um, in Rajasthan, I hadn't been back for more than 10 years and I kind of noticed that there was a lot of textile waste everywhere. Mm. Um, and my hometown is well known for its textile. You know, Rajasthan is very well known. Yeah, for yeah. I really textile. want to go back. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but, you know, there's also this other side to it. And you've got all these animals like, you know, cows, which as a Hindu, I consider sacred. Mm. Um, dog, pigs, you know all of that sort of feeding on this textile waste. Wow. And that's when I kind of felt like, you know, I myself, you know, had bought clothes for this holiday. Um, and I started thinking about how much use I was making of the clothes that were often made in India. And then, you know, once we donated or, you know, disposed of them to, you know, charities or whatever, they mm. often went back to African and, you know, the Indian continent to sort of, you know, be, you know, Dumped, in, dumped onto and that's when I kind of felt like I was a part of the problem you know I've always been so passionate and proud of being Indian you know I've always sort of defended and demanded respect for you know Indians but mm. here I was you know being a part of the problem um, that was affecting my people yeah. so that's when I decided that I would no longer support any fast fashion labels um, and I would check which labels and brands that I was supporting and their supply chain practices and also I started thinking about how fashion rental should be about sharing what people already have because, you know, we all have Instagram, we're all on social media and, you know, there's just too much of everything. You know, people are not wearing the same outfit again because totally. they're saying what their followers will think. I know it's so sad when you think about it, but that is what society has become today. Yeah, just narcissism, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just narcissism. <laughs> yeah, and also like, you know, insecurities based on very materialistic things. Um, yeah, and I, and I agree. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, I, you know, I was kind of 
you know, subconsciously a part of that when I was, you know, shopping um, for new things all the time. And, yeah. and, you know, you must know living in Singapore, how shopping is basically the national hobby. Who doesn't know anything about Singapore is literally just shopping centers everywhere. But the worst thing yeah. is the fashion is so bad here. Like, really? uh, well, I don't know when the last time you came back to home was, but like for me, I just, I don't, I actually don't, since I moved up here, I stopped spending as much also because partly because one, I was, I'd been educating myself more on sustainability. And then mm -hmm. secondly, I'm like, there's nothing I want to wear here. So, um, yeah, it's not, it's, I do miss like London fashion, to be honest. Um, but that's a really good point. I think, um, I, I don't know. I think I mentioned this to you before, but I'm not sure if you're aware of Natalie, Natalie Kelly. She's quite a famous actress. Um, and she's also, you know, like a, a speaker for, um, sustainability and especially fashion waste. And she's almost doing, she's doing that one year thing where you don't buy any new clothes and you're just recycling when you, whatever. Yeah I, yeah, I think it's so amazing. And I think, um, you know, people like her, you know, influencers like her who are really, really raising awareness, you know, um, and it's all about just education because at the end of the day, we can't feel guilty for, um, you know, for having, followed fast fashion because back then like five six years ago we probably weren't aware of the the consequences you know but mm -hmm. it's only when you've had the education you're aware and then you still continue to you know act in a certain way or not make um small changes that's when it becomes a problem um yeah so i guess like in the last nine months like um by rotation has pretty much blown up and you're now the uk's leading like peer-to-peer -peer fashion mental app um, can you tell us a bit about how you went about marketing the app and how did you have like a, like when did you actually launch the app? When was it available on the app store to download and how, how what was your kind of like marketing strategy in terms of, you know, pre-launch, I guess, and ongoing? Uh, yeah, so the app was launched in October 2019 and that was both on Android, so Google Play and also the app store, so iOS. Um, and that we, we did that on purpose because we we kind of noticed there were quite a lot of people using Google Pixel, um, and you know that was kind of our target demographic as well. You know the kind of people who like to take photos of them, you know, dressing up and in their <laughs> outfit. So we wanted to make, exactly. So yeah, we wanted to make sure that we um, we didn't sort of you know um, make it very um, biased towards Apple phone users only. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of, I guess, you know, how we went about marketing the app and, and how it's kind of grown, um, I guess the way that we really did it, um, and, and I think the great part about it is firstly, the fact is that it's an app um, and that in itself, when you think about sort of fashion brands, most of them are selling you product such as clothing or handbags or yeah. shoes or accessories. So it's already kind of novel. So you would get people's attention because it's kind of a new type of concept. Um, and we were definitely riding the sustainability wave, um, you know, all the way from, you know, journalists such as Lucy Siegel, who are a bit more, you know, on the sustainability and the, you know, climate change side of things, mm -hmm. um, all the way to fashion editors as well, you know, at you know, British Vogue who were talking about, you know, clothes swapping and rental yeah. and, uh, and you know how um, you know you need to think. You know we need to kind of tackle the sustainability issue and the pollution issue from from the consumer side. Yeah. Um, so we were really you know so that was great in terms of the press side of things. We gained a lot of attention and momentum from that. 
Um, and it was good because we could get to a wider range of audience. Um, I actually recently got to know more about the different types of um, the different newspapers that they are that there are in the UK. So mm. you know, every newspaper has a very different type of um, audience and demographic, and and it was great to be covered in virtually I think all of them, um, and wow. obviously on TV. Um, so uh, so you know we've got a we've got a huge. Um, you know, a variety of audiences on the platform, which is exactly what I wanted. You know, I mm -hmm. wanted an community. Um, so the press site was good. You know, the product was unique. Um, we started offering um, sort of complimentary loans um, to sort of, you know, um, I guess the kind of um, the, the kind of user that we sort of, um, you know, envis envisaged, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, working professional uh, you know, it's, it's predominantly for females at the moment, the app, yeah. you know, we kind of looked for those kind of um, people to sort of collaborate with and offer them free loans and, you know, educate them more on what this new, you know, peer-to-peer -peer rental app was all about. And I think their audiences also really enjoyed what they were sharing on their marketing platforms, such as their blogs, um, you know, obviously Instagram, um, Twitter, so I think those are some great concepts. And we, you know, we did this all very organically. We didn't pay anyone. We only started testing, you know, a, a few paid partnerships mm -hmm. with um, some very, I would say, high profile, um, you know, um, established influencers. But um, I think they've been great because, they, you know, they got, they got us more attention on the mainstream platforms. Right. And, um, and we also got the attention of, you know, some people now, some people that we regularly collaborate with, such as Stacey Dooley. Um, she's right, fantastic. Right. She approached us and gave us like an amazing part of her wardrobe, uh, which is now listed on the app and can be rented by anyone in the UK. Um, and, you know, she's donating all proceeds of her rentals to wow. Refuge, which is a charity that yeah. tackles domestic violence. So it was really great. You know, we, we sort of built up the momentum very organically. We rode the um, sustainability wave. The product, I personally think is fantastic and it continues to improve. So, um, so yeah, it's been, you know, it's been all these sort of things. Um, and we kind of made sure that we also, you know, you know, kind of um, got our sustainability credentials aligned. So, you mm -hmm. know, we got the OH brand mark. Um, I think it was last week or the week before that we won. What's the OH brand, um, brand mark? I'm not aware of that. The, the EcoH brand mark. So, oh, Eco, right. yeah, EcoH was founded by Livia Firth, and it's essentially a platform where they kind of, you know, um, do a lot of consulting work for uh, companies such as Chopard all the way to us, you know, a very small startup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, on how to be more ethical, sustainable when it comes to your supply chain or, you know, the kind of service that you're offering in our case. Um, so, we were awarded a brand mark by them. Um, I think November, um, so a month after we launched. That's amazing. And, yeah, and then I think a couple of weeks ago, we won the um, Sustainable uh, Fashion Awards by Drakers uh, as a once to watch category. Yeah. So, you know, we've just been building up momentum and ensuring that we have, you know, areas such as business, um, you know, while I'm talking to you, um, areas such as fashion and sustainability covered. I think I would say those are three areas that we're very focused in. Yeah, for sure. Fashion, sustainability and business. And I, I love the fact that you, um, yeah, you're very much understanding that this is not just a fashion uh, service that you're providing. It's essentially trying to address and solve a problem, which fundamentally is sustainab sustainability, which is such a broad topic, you know. 
Um, yeah. I was speaking to um, Catherine Heath. She's, she's the founder of More This. I don't know if you've heard of oh, her, but it's a small... Yeah. I think I have come across her. Oh, really? Um, that's interesting because she, uh, she's also the head of social at Hug Agency. So we did a webinar with her a couple of weeks back. And the topic was on how sustainable, you know, talking about sustainability and its impact on brand value. And um, it's just so insightful to understand, like, you know, concepts like greenwashing and, and really know why, you know, it's sad because you see a lot of new companies and brands, uh, mainly in fashion, who are just like labeling sustainability to almost like, trying to increase their brand value. So um, I think with you guys educating um, the public on um, those two, you know, very popular topics is, is just great. Um, and it's almost like providing content. So it's not like in your face advertising, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, it's, it's so, so good. Um, in terms of the, yeah, like you mentioned before, the publications with the news, um, newspapers, and you've obviously been featured in, in Vogue and Vanity Fair, as I mentioned before. How are you going about, because I know a lot of people and a lot of brands who are starting out, they struggle to get press coverage. Um, and sometimes, you know, it really is about who you know. Can you give some tips on like how you have approached kind of PR in that sense? Um, you know, yeah. I guess the product's such an easy sell, right? So it makes it easy, but do you have any tips on, you know, how to kind of, um, I guess, feature on certain coverage? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say, because I came from like a completely you know, non-fashion background, you know, I'm also a foreigner in the UK. So mm. I had virtually no connections whatsoever to fashion or media industries. Um, I was very lucky, however, to uh, be end up sort of uh, being found by uh, my current PR agency, which is actually uh, run by, um, it's, it's kind of like a one woman show. She's recently recruited someone. And I actually love that because she, you know, She's very, very concerned with every client that she takes on. She's pretty much, you know, like a team member for us. Um, so she works as a freelancer and she consults us on PR. Mm. And I'm very lucky that along the way, you know, I've found people who kind of, you know, um, are my tribe, um, as yeah. cheesy as that sounds. But you kind of, you know, find people who really, really believe in the product um, and yeah. are not just taking you yet another client because you, you know, you're, you're helping them pay their rent. Um, so I, I definitely think you should find a PR that actually truly believes in your product and your company and you as a founder, um, as opposed to a large agency who seems to have a lot of connections. Mm. Uh, and in terms of how to actually, you know, and, and say, you, you know, you're, you're at a stage where you're not ready to commit to a PR yet because you're still kind of figuring out what your product is or you're not ready to launch. Um, I would definitely say you should start sort of... Um, it, it sounds a bit creepy, but um, try and like find out who are the writers um, in the publications that you want to get into and, you know, start kind of following them on Twitter, on um, Instagram, you know, and, and sort of start interacting with them and um, eventually, and, and definitely try and meet them in person if you can. Um, I know at the moment it's kind of difficult with lockdown, but when events do come back again, I mm. think people really, I mean, personally, I also really appreciate it when people come to events that I'm speaking at or I'm organizing. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, and then they exactly. connect after. Exactly. You know, they, they either come after the panel or like they speak to you later and say, mm -hmm. hey, I was your event, you know, or I heard your podcast or whatever. 
you know, um, I, I think that really shows that, you know, you've done your research, this is the right person. And, you know, while you do want something from them, which is the feature, um, you also have an active interest in them. You know, you're not just taking, but you're also giving back. So yeah, I think, definitely. yeah, so I think those would definitely be my key points, but um, I'm very big on finding your tribe in the early days. You, you yeah. need to have people who support you. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, you mentioned all those points and I'm trying to think about it from the other side of the coin because, you know, alongside other like business coaching as well, I am also yeah. um, marketing consultant. And then obviously we have the platform, which is, you know, what we're doing right now, like I'm interviewing you and it's, it's come so organically. And I do, you know, I get loads of emails every day, like asking to be featured on the podcast. Um, and usually it's just like, I just get like the bluntest emails from people being like, Hey, love your podcast. Can I feature? And it's like, sorry, but who are you? Like at least, you know, tell me what you do. Like, you know, tell me um, what your business is. And it's <laughs> just, uh, I think people kind of see it as like a, a quick tick done. Whereas actually, you know, for me, the people that I feature, I'm quite specific, specific and, you know, yeah. most of the, most of the people that I do feature are my friends or, you know, people that I've connected with or collaborated or worked with in some way or form. And it's like getting to know the person, uh, before, you know, yeah. just doing like a transactional exchange, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think definitely when I started out, I used to be a bit kind of like, oh, you know, in finance, it's very clear cut, you know, mm. if you're meeting someone for a coffee or whatever, and it's a work meeting, like during work hours, you, ex you expect there to be a result by the end of the meeting. Yeah. You know, there's, there's some concrete action points. But what I've realized in the fashion and the media industries is that it's not like that. <laughs> it's not like that. It's really about building a relationship. And I know it can be a bit frustrating when you're someone who's very like goal oriented. Um, I find that about myself. But I have really realized you, it just takes time. It's, it's the way it is. So don't feel disheartened if anyone's listening out there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. No, thanks. And, and on, on one of the points that you mentioned about, you know, how people are kind of randomly emailing you and saying, oh, I heard your podcast, I want to be on it. Um, one of the things that I would like to add, um, which is my personal pet peeve, is <laughs> I get, in the in the earlier days, I was really happy to do this because, you know, I was I was on my laptop the whole time. And now things have obviously gotten a bit busier and I'm pulled into different meetings and I'm away from my laptop and all of that. But I, you know, I get quite a few university students sort of um, yeah. asking me to, you know, give them answers like, you know, I don't know, like six questions that they have for their thesis or give them one hour of my time for a call for their thesis. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the questions are, yeah, and the questions are all pretty generic. And if you yeah. heard even this podcast that I'm recording with you, uh -huh. um, or other ones I've recorded, or, or even blog entries that I've been on, or interviews, everything's out there. Because a yeah. lot of times, you know, and, and that's why I kind of feel like you haven't done any research. Do your you just research, want, yeah, you just want to be spoon-fed. Yeah, you want to copy and paste what I've typed out for you in your thesis. And, and I feel like those things irritate me. And definitely the ones where you get emails, <laughs> about, you know, yeah. jobs. Yeah. Actually, now that you mention it, I think I've, I've had one person uh, message me a very similar scenario where they're asking for, you know, they're doing research for their thesis and they want me to help. I don't know what it was, but I just, it just did. I don't know. Sometimes I'm not sure if it's a bot or whether, because it's that generic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had someone ask me. 
I had someone ask me like, um, you know, this is for my thesis, like who's funding your business? How much, how much have you put in the business? And I was like, hmm, <laughs> inappropriate <laughs> question. Yeah. Like such a private question, you know, it's just, but yeah, it's, I think word of advice to anyone looking for something is to, you know, think more strategically before you press the send button on the email um because yeah i think i think build the relationship yeah like it you can't it's not a transactional thing um you know um, time is way more important than money and i think people need to start realizing that um Mm -hmm. yeah so so interesting but um (laughs) yeah anyway I, i think i the next couple of questions i wanted to really focus on um and yeah like i said we did a big webinar on sustainability but it's something that i feel passionate about especially you know with fashion I used to be you know a, very much a guilty person of fast fashion when I lived in London like as you know it's one of the best, biggest cities for like amazing fashion so um but now I'm trying to slowly change my ways so can you share a bit more steps on how people can I guess like make their consumption more sustainable and what kind of things have worked for you um and yeah just so you know people can kind of take these things away and try and incorporate that into their lives um yeah it doesn't have to be about fashion but I know that is a big (laughs) big culprit yeah sure I mean for me I think one of the things is when you know I came back from my honeymoon I decided that I would never shop on the high street again um it's just one of those things where I thought you know, I, I don't want to be in that mindset where, oh yeah, but it doesn't cost so much, you know, just, just buy it and we'll see how many times I wear it, you know, or I can just donate it, no big deal. Um, so I kind of decided that I will definitely move on to sort of, you know, um, higher end pieces that I actually truly want forever, or, you know, I can pass down to someone or they would be worthwhile, you know, when it comes to secondhand or yeah. well, definitely renting out. So everything that I buy now is kind of an investment piece. And um, in terms of like how to kind of stop, you know, stop looking at fast fashion, I would definitely unsubscribe to all the newsletters of, you know, things like ASOS, Topshop. Yeah, uh, that's the worst. Yeah, you know, H&M and other stories, all all of these sort of, you know, culprits which sort of, you know, drop, you know, new collections every week or whatever. Um, I I would just, you know, you know, get get the temptation out of the way altogether. Out of of mind, yeah. It's so funny you mentioned that because I was literally looking on this site the other day. It's a a US site, so I can't even Mm -hmm. ship to Singapore anyway. But I was like just about to subscribe because I just love everything on there just for inspiration. I was like, no, I'm not going to do this because it's going to tempt me. So such a a good point that you that you raise that. Yeah, um, it's so crazy because as a consumer, you know, when I was working, you know, it, you know, I had a desk job and all of that. Mm. I thought newsletters, I, I was kind of naive about newsletters, you know, I was like, yeah, so what? I'm bored. I'll read it. Yeah. Now I'm on the other side of things and I'm like, no, newsletters are a big call to action. Like do not underestimate yeah. how useful they are. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm glad that I've unsubscribed. And I guess one of the things that I love to do personally is secondhand. Um, so whether it's, you know, look, going to charity shops, uh, and going in person. And at the moment, if you can't do that, you know, you can be, you can, I love Depop. That's one of the apps that, you know, is a huge inspiration. Yeah, I used to use Depop. Yeah. So Depop, definitely Vestia Collective. Um, and obviously I'm very biased, um, but I would say it's very true. Um, you know, you can rent out your clothing and you can rent from others, uh, by using the Rotation app. You know, um, it's a great way to kind of enjoy something just for a weekend and never have to see it again. Mm. Um, 
and and it's also like amazing because it's much more cost effective yeah totally no that's that's so good i think i don't know if they have anything equivalent here in singapore to this um, i saw about something i saw something called style theory but that's more like run yes. the runway yeah i was just gonna say to you style theory but that's almost like they pack a, a box for you but you kind of don't really get to choose the clothes which defeats the point you know yeah especially exactly. for fashion lovers who are you know very specific about their certain style and stuff um yeah but yeah, maybe you should come out and launch in Singapore soon. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I really hope so one day, I think. Plan yeah. is to go global, so yeah. Yeah, I'll be speaking to you next year and you'll be like, right, coming to meet you in Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. So I, uh, last three questions. So the first one being, um, if you had to give one piece of advice to, you know, the next generation of young entrepreneurs, what, what would that be? Um, tough one, but I think very, very real and honest and God, I, I don't mean to sound pessimistic, but, um, you know, um, just really, really consider why you want to be an entrepreneur or founder, like how much you believe in the idea as opposed to, you know, you know, the, the title of being a founder or entrepreneur, mm. because it's way less glamorous than it seems. Um, you know, you know, all these sort of, um, pieces these press pieces that we've been in um yeah. you know this and maybe it's just my personality but for me they they kind of they feel good for like the first five minutes but it kind of feels like a tick box i feel i always feel like there's so much work to be done this is just you know a bit of pr but otherwise there's so much more beyond it that goes yeah. in the background um Almost so i would say sorry continue <laughs> Yeah, no, I would just say whatever you see on, you know, founders, Instagrams or Twitters or whatever, it's just the mm. glamour side of things. You know, we're not showing you all the gritty things we're doing um, and, and the kind of shit that goes in the background. <laughs> Pardon my French. Yeah. Um, and if I could just add maybe one more thing. Um, I personally found, you know, have, having founded Byrotation as a side hustle for the first six mm. months, I... And, 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 you know, I used to have a different career prior to this. I personally see huge value in sort of, you know, sharpening your skills, developing your, your work ethic um, yeah. by working with someone else to be very beneficial. You know, it's where you make your mistakes. It's yeah. where you learn professionalism um, and how to conduct yourself. Um, so I highly recommend that before sort of jumping into doing something yourself. But, you know, um, that's, just, that's just my experience. No, I think it's, um, it's very, very common amongst a lot of other um, kind of younger founders as well. I think people who haven't, it's very rarely that you see someone who started something without any kind of professional, you know, background at all. As in when I say professional, I mean working for someone or like a big corporation, because that's where you like learn how to, you know, even communicate via email. These things yeah. are very important, you know, sometimes taken for granted, but skills that you need. Um, yeah. But I think I totally agree with you. I think a lot of young people are wanting to be, you know, founders and they're kind of like with the rise of um, working remotely um, and co-working spaces, this generation is kind of becoming quite lonely and burnt out. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you, you know, working for someone, working for a company that's supportive, high trusted, and there's like a really high freedom environment is actually quite underrated um because yeah. of this like big you know hustle entrepreneurship um 
kind of buzz, you know, and, and wanting to be your own boss, etc. But I, I really highly recommend anyone listening to think about the set of principles that actually matter to you, like freedom, you know, working with good people, meaningful work, something you're good at, like work-life balance, all of which um, you have to look at in each um, case-by-case scenario. So I think what you said was just so true and I really, really resonate and, and agree. Um, but yeah, so I guess the next question is, if you had a favorite book to gift others, what would it be and why? Uh, yeah, so my favorite book is, um, it's fiction, um, which I guess maybe isn't quite expected. I'm actually not really big on nonfiction. I've only been reading more nonfiction during lockdown um, mm. because told to think more about the vision and long-term strategy of the business yeah um, otherwise i love japanese fiction i love uh, murakami. yeah um but I think murakami haruki murakami okay. um yeah i mean it, it's it's fiction yeah but i think the yeah so the the book that i would give to anyone um it would be the remains of the day it's by kazuo ishiguro who's a japanese um author who's well he's british japanese um i think there's they, they made a movie on it too with anthony hopkins many years ago so basically it's about um it's about this english butler who's um who served his lord um you know throughout his life um only to realize that the lord was actually kind of anti-semitic um during yeah. the war and he kind of realizes that his life um has you know, he's, he's spent his whole life serving someone um, who has disgraced and he has nothing kind of left for himself. And, and I feel like that was kind of important to me when I started working in finance. And I kind of had this moment where I realized that, you know, I, I can't just give everything to my employer or to my career. Um, yeah. I need to do something uh, which kind of, you know, serves a higher purpose. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, that's how I read it anyway. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because you do see people who just give their souls to, to corporate lives and then they become so unfulfilled. Um, exactly. And that's because exactly I, what you're talking about right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, the real, I haven't read any, um, uh, any of those kind of books, but I do love anime, I must say. And oh, me the, um, What's it called? <laughs> The Studio Ghibli movies. I've literally watched all of them on Netflix, pretty much. Um, oh, I'm not familiar with that. I haven't watched them. You know, like Spirited Away and all of those. That's the most popular one. You must have had a Spirited Away. I feel like I've heard of it. You need to watch it. I, th- I feel like you'll okay. like it. <laughs> Add it to your to-do list now. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So, final question for you um, is: What is one quote that you live by? If not me, who? If not now, when? I love that. Amazing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining this conversation, Nashita. I honestly, it was so, you know, it was so nice to chat to you. And, you know, even when we connected a couple of weeks back where you interviewed me, but it was just, I knew that we had some kind of, you know, connection. And it's funny because I feel like we're <laughs> living the reverse of each other's lives. <laughs> and hopefully... You get have to, to tell me when you're in London or yeah, when I'm in well, back in this summer but obviously yeah Singapore's just announced that there's like pretty much no tourism travel for the rest of the year which is still in the process so let's not talk about that (laughs) um but definitely we'll we'll have to grab grab a coffee when um 
either of us are in each other's motherlands. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for um, your time and sharing your wisdom. I think um, a lot of people will find what you've said just super insightful. Um, and yeah, I'll put all the details and obviously the links to the app and your profile on the show notes. Um, and if you're looking for more inspiration, we have loads of other stories and interviews and other resources. Just head to anotherstarterstory.com or you can find us on Instagram. Brilliant. Thanks so much again. Um, enjoy the rest of your day, Ashita. Thank you so much, Carmen. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye.